Hallelujah. Just take someone by the hand as you begin to pray for them. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Kashondo boste. Mandebeke bresiko tomo shata. Mondeleshta. There's a manifestation of the Lord in this place right now. There's a manifestation of His presence. And there's going to be a manifestation of His word and truth to us. Holy Spirit, cause us to see, cause us to hear, cause us to sense, cause us to understand. Spirit of the living God, let revelation now flow. Reveal yourself, Holy Spirit. Manifest yourself, Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, even to every heart and every life today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our lives. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would touch us, that you'd minister deeply to us today. We thank you for the healing of the sick, even as the Word of God is going forth. We thank you for the breaking and destroying of every yoke, every yoke of oppression. Father, we thank you today for the unction of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for confirming your word with signs following. For it's in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord praise as we're seated. Amen. 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 Well, Prophet, why don't you release that word? Amen. Amen. I just, the Holy Spirit just dropped into my spirit that the angel of breakthrough is here in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Miracles are going to be taking place from today. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe we can pray after, after the word. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for the word of the Lord? Praise God. Amen. Be seated. Praise the Lord. We are continuing in our series of teaching on the principles of realizing your potential. The principles of realizing your potential. We are opening our Bibles today in Esther chapter 2. And we're going to read from the 7th verse to the 18th verse as we look at a case study uh, regarding this subject, praise the Lord. Uh, it is very, very powerful what God has already begun to say. Get the CD, amen. We're not going to recap on what was covered last week, but it is extremely important that you get that foundation, amen, as uh, we build on it today. It's Esther chapter 2, verse 7 to 18 says, And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it was when the king's command and decree was heard. And when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her, besides her allowance. Someone say favor. 
Amen. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Now the young woman pleased him. I'm sorry, verse 10. Uh, Esther were, had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Each young woman's turn came to go in to King Ahasuerus after she had completed twelve months' preparation, according to the regulations for the women, for thus were the days of their preparation apportioned. Six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines, who would go, would not go, she would not go in to the king again, unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, to go in to the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into the royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Praise God. We're talking again about uh, the principles of realizing your potential. Here's a young woman who is an orphan girl. And her story is about her realizing her potential as you read the book of Esther. And one of the key things we're going to key on in today in this process of realizing your potential is the need for a trusting relationship with the people who guide and encourage you along your journey. Let me say that again. The need for a trusting relationship with the people who guide and encourage you along your journey. Uh, you'll find a couple of personalities in Esther's life. The first one is Mordecai, who adopts her as his daughter. She is the daughter of his uncle, which makes her really his cousin. 
but of course, there must have been a huge age difference here because she really looked up to him as his as a father. And because you know how it is in families, the firstborn has children and then the lastborn, and there may be a span of 20 years, you know, between the generations, um, particularly the grandchild level. So Esther uh, is a case study here for us that God will sovereignly bring people into your life to help you realize your potential. God will sovereignly bring people into your life to help you realize your potential. Uh, Esther did not ask or pray even as uh, on any record. She prayed for a Mordecai. She never prayed for a Haggai. And we're going to talk about them in a minute. But God sovereignly brings people into our lives. I'm so glad that our God reserves some things for Himself. That He's going to do some things in your life whether you ask for it or not. You never asked to be born into the family you're born into. You never asked to be a male or female. You never asked to be whatever complexion you are. You never asked to be tall or not tall. You never asked to be born into one uh, tribe or another. You never asked to be black or white. These are things that God chooses for us because of His purpose and His destiny for our lives. And one of the things that God does is to choose people to come into our lives to help us in our journey as we realize our potential. And I'm so glad that God chooses people and brings them there so that we can be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Now, I want to know, let you know that there are several types of people that God brings into our lives. First of all, there's some people that are there to walk you through a challenging season. There are certain people that God brings into your life that are help there to help you and walk with you through a challenging season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, if you look at the story of Ruth, for example, um, and, 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 uh, and you see that in the beginning of the story of Ruth, both Ruth and his, his sister-in-law... Oprah and of course Naomi all lose their husbands they all go, go through a great tragedy in the land of Moab they are all widows My, Naomi uh, sons uh, die her husband has died and this is the husbands of both Ruth and Orpah and for a while they are walking together it is Naomi, it is Ruth it is Orpah but there comes a time when that time of mourning is over, and then you begin to see Orpah leaving the scene. It is Ruth that says, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It's Orpah who kisses her mother-in-law goodbye, and she departs out of the scene. Orpah was there during the time of grief, the time of sadness, the time of sorrow, but Orpah was not there for life. There are people that God will bring into your life that are there for a season to help you through a tough season. And it's very important to know when God, that God does this. And then when their season is over, we should not mourn too long. Because they were not there for a long season, a long time. They were there for just that time. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, 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 and so that's one kind of person that God will send along your journey so that during that time of season, you don't fall apart. 
They are an encourager for a season. Can you say for a season? I'm so glad about people that God brings our way. Amen. People that are there when things are tough. Praise the Lord. God brings them like angels into our lives. But then you turn around and say, where is so-and-so? And somehow God has just drifted them away. You've gone a different way. It's okay. Praise the Lord. They were there for a season and for a time. And so we thank God for His sovereignty in bringing such people along our way. I remember, for example, um, one individual... Um, uh, I mean, people that God brought, so many people God brought my pathway. But I remember being a student at university, and I think of two things right now. Uh, one was another lady, her name was Betty. Uh, she was a an, uh, an senior lady, um, Betty Price, I think was her name. And um, she was just one of these incredible women that just love people. And, uh, and I, I never talked to her about her, my situation, but I was without food. I mean, I was in that situation where there's nothing but water in the fridge. Anybody been there? Absolutely. There was nothing in the fridge, not even leftovers, nothing, not a, not a, not a crust of bread, nothing, just water in the fridge. And, you know, I've always made it my policy never to, uh, to, to go to people and beg them for anything. I always go to God. And so I went to God. And I remember putting, going into the closet literally. I went into my cupboard and, um, and I took a blanket because I knew this was not going to be a soft prayer. This was going to be a loud one. And so that's why I went into the cupboard because I was going to cry out to God. And I took the blanket. I put it over my head in the cupboard, closed the door inside the cupboard and I went for it and I cried out to God about my situation and everything and I poured out my heart to God and when I was done I came out of my cupboard took the blanket put it back on the bed and just as I was making up my bed again there was a knock on the door and as I went to the knock to the door, I opened the door, and there was oh, Betty Calabrese. That's the name, huh? Betty Calabrese. And she was there. She said, oh, Brother Beggy, you know, I was just a student then. She said, I was at the grocery store, and the Lord told me that I must bring these groceries to you. And so she had two bags of groceries at the door. And there was my answer. God had sent an angel in the person of Betty Calabrese. Praise the Lord. And I had food. Praise God. So we thank God for people like that. And she was that kind of person that was just a blessing to people. Amen. And, and she was a blessing to me that particular day. And God provided for me in many different ways, as I'm sure He has for you also. I remember one time also as a student, I, I needed I desperately needed a car because I lived far away from campus and I had a difficulty getting to campus because I was staying with a family that had put, take, took me in. I couldn't afford um, this residence. I couldn't afford an apartment. And there were teachers that were um, in the Souls of Fire choir. This was the director of Souls of Fire choir. His name was Mike Woods. He's still there as a bass guitarist. And he was a professor of music and his wife. Um, and they lived together, you know, far, away, far quite a long way from the campus. And 
They took me in. And, um, and, and I was just concerned that I was becoming a burden to them. Um, they would have to take me to college in the morning and then, you know, bring me back and, you know, you know, all the kind of things when you just want to, don't want to be a burden to people and they're feeding you and taking care of you because I had nothing. And, um, I remember I was in the library one night. And in that library, uh, this young man from the campus comes to me and says, Beggy, do you want a car? I said, is that a question? He said, yeah, do you want a car? I said, of course I want a car. He said, well, Beggy, I, can I sell you my car? I said, well, that would be wonderful. How much are you selling it for? So, you know, I thought maybe a thousand dollars or something like this. He said, Beggy, no, um, I'll sell it to you for ten dollars. I said, ten dollars? Are you serious for a car? He said, yes, I have the keys right here. It works perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with the car. I just feel that I must, I must bless you with this car. Do you have ten dollars? Well, I looked everywhere. I didn't have ten dollars. He said to me, well, uh, okay, Beggy, do you have $5? I said, I don't have $5. He said, okay, look, I'll tell you what. Okay, give me just $1. Surely you have $1 to your name. I said, my friend, I don't have a dollar to my name. I didn't have 25 cents to my name. He said to me, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. He took out his wallet, took out $1 and gave it to me. He said, now give that dollar back to me. And that's how I got my first car. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God will bring people into your life. I don't even remember the guy's name. But God just brings people into our lives to help us through a difficult season. A difficult time. And that's one kind of person. But it's always going to be for a season. Someone say a season. Then there's a, some people who are there <laughs> to provoke you into your next level. There are people there, I like to put it this way, they're there to kick you into your next level. These are people we don't like. These are people who make themselves our enemies. These are people that God allows into our lives as a thorn in the flesh. And many times we don't realize that it's God's divine provision. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, say amen to this. Hallelujah. See, <laughs> Hannah, Hannah was uh, a barren woman, as you know, and she had another, uh, there's another wife for her husband, her name was Penina. And Penina was that kind of provocateur, that kind of woman that just never gave Hannah a break. She would constantly be provoking her and teasing her and harassing her about the fact that she was barren. <laughs> I'm on number four. What about you? You don't have. See, that kind of woman. And so, and it was Panina that drove Hannah to a point of desperation because now it was not only about the fact that she wanted a child now she needed vindication 
Now she needed vindication from the Lord. And Penina was placed by God in Hannah's life to bring her to a point of desperation when she would cry out to God the way that she did. And then, of course, Eli, who was the priest, saw her in the temple praying, thinking she was drunk because she was not expressing or verbalizing audibly what she was praying. And then Eli was used of the Lord to bless her and tell her she was going to have a child. But how many people, uh, many times we don't recognize that even those that are there to provoke us are actually many times sent by God because many times we are so complacent with our situation we need a little kick in life ask your neighbor do you need a little kick you know, uh, sometimes we need a little kick. And I, I love it when my bishop, uh, my bishop Granham loves to preach about this. He says, uh, you know, uh, so long as you are facing in the right direction, I don't mind. He said, I don't, <laughs> you should not mind who kicks you. One thing about if someone kicks you, that means they are behind you. Okay, you missed that one. Let me try this one. <laughs> if someone is busy kicking you, they will not kick you from in front of you because they know that you can retaliate. But if they're kicking you from behind you, you don't even know who is kicking you, but somebody is busy. Am I talking to somebody here? Somebody is busy provoking you, talking about you, undermining you, underestimating you. You hear what I'm saying? And they're busy kicking you, and you don't even know many times. It is because God has allowed that person to come into your life to move you by force into your next season. Someone say by force. Sometimes we need a little kick. We need somebody to talk about us. We need someone to gossip about us. We need somebody to criticize us. We need someone to be a fault finder as much as we don't like it. Hallelujah. But God will send people like that into our lives because they too have an assignment. Mm-hmm. You see, the Bible says what? All things work together for good to them who love the Lord. I know it's not easy to say, thank you, Lord, for my enemies. But if Joseph did not have brothers who hated him, if Joseph did not have brothers who were jealous about him, if Joseph did not have brothers who sold him into slavery, put him in a pit, told his dad that he was dead, you would not have seen the potential of Joseph. But God will use the people who hate you, who are envious of you, who are jealous about you, who wish they were you. God will use them as a force to kick you forward and put you in position. Uh, I know this is not a nice amen position, but if Joseph was not in the pit, then those Amalekites would not have found him there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If the Amalekites had not found him there and wanted to sell him into slavery, then Potiphar would not have made him the head of his house. Are you following what I'm saying? If Potiphar had not made him the head of his house, and if Potiphar's wife was not there to be a thorn in, in Joseph's flesh, to be a provoker of Joseph's destiny, he would not have ended up in the jail. Are you following what I'm saying? And if he had not been in the jail, then the butler and the baker would not have met him there 
And if that butler and the baker had not met him in jail, then Pharaoh would not have known about Joseph. Someone say, all things work together. It's time for us to say, thank you for my enemies. Thank you for those that hate me. Thank you, Lord, for those that are envious and jealous about me. Because they are there to kick me into my future. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Laban was such a man that was uh, that force in, uh, in, 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 in um, Jacob's life. He was a, a robber. I mean, he was a, a, what do you call, a crook. He, he changed his wages ten times and he deceived him so many times. And, and you would think that he was sent by the devil. But I, I, how do I handle this? Many times we do blame the devil, but God allows that person. <laughs> that God allows those people into our lives because they're there to, to provoke you into your next level. And when, 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 when uh, 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 Jacob was supposed to now leave with his family, he was now under pressure because Laban had robbed him of what he was supposed to have to start his family with. And that's why he went to God. And, and that's how God supernaturally, someone say supernaturally, blessed uh, Jacob. Amen. And he left very wealthy. Amen. But if he had not been under a Laban, he would have not have dug that deep into his own heart to say, God, how are you going to bless me now? You know, I can't fight this man. This is my father-in-law. I can't hate him. I can't do anything. But Lord, you're going to have to fight for me in this situation. Amen. But remember that those who are provoking you and kicking you, some people stay close to your life so they can spy on you. Okay, I need to say it this time. Some people stay close to you so they can spy on you. So they have something to say about you behind you. And God allows them in your life because they are there so that you don't become complacent. Hallelujah. Someone said the devil is a liar. Amen. And his father-in-law. Praise the Lord. But the fact of the matter is that not everybody around you is for you. Okay? Not everybody there is for you. But these people are all important for your potential. Because they are sent there by God, allowed to be there by God, to provoke you and kick you. If there was no Judas Iscariot, we wouldn't be saved today. Hello, somebody. If there was no Judas to, to betray Jesus Christ, we would not have been saved. Because it was Judas who surrendered Jesus into the hands of his crucifiers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So many times when God uses people negatively with a negative agenda in our lives, look beyond that and know that God is working something out for me. I'm coming out of this. Tell your neighbor, I'm coming out of this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sometimes people are there to provoke you and kick you because they, want, they don't want to see you leave their level. Oh, I just said something right there. 
They are comfortable with where you are. And whenever you want to make a move and go to the next level, they're the ones to, to try and create traps and snares and obstacles for you and say things to you to discourage you. Why? Because they're comfortable with where you are because they feel like, okay, we're on the same level or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You know, and their problem is that they don't want you to go to the next level because if you go to the next level, you're going to challenge them out of their complacency. Alright? So not everybody around you is going where you're going. Alright? And that doesn't mean we're suspicious. It just means that we are thankful. Hallelujah. And say, thank you for kicking me. I thank God for the people that have kicked me. Uh, How many people have been kicked before? Yeah, Just about everybody. And some people, some of us still have the bruises. Amen. But I'll tell you right now, if you look back, you are not where you were before you were kicked. Something has changed in you. Something has changed in where you are and what you're doing. Sometimes those people are there to show us something about ourselves we don't see. Things we need to correct, things we need to change about ourselves. And when we begin to be honest about what the criticism is about, we are able to change ourselves because our friends will not kick us. Our friends will not provoke us. They'll be nice to us. They'll let it pass. Oh, it's just her. It's just him. That's, that's how he is. And someone else is going to say, no, that's a problem. You know, and, and, and then we say, that's an enemy. But no, that could be a blessing in disguise. Because that person may be telling the truth that your very best friend won't tell you about you. Now, the third kind of person is there are some that are there to pull you into your next dimension. So first of all, there are people who are there to walk you through a challenging season. Then there are some who are there to provoke you and kick you into your next level. And then there are some who are there to pull you into your next dimension. Hallelujah. In the case of Esther, there was this uh, fellow, uh, what's his name here? Hey, guy. Haggai was there sent by God into Esther's life to pull her into her next dimension. Now there are levels and there are several levels in one dimension. Okay, like centimeters and meters. So levels are like centimeters, dimensions are like meters. So there are people who are going to help you move to the next level but then there are people who have to pull you into the next dimension. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That means a major life shift in your life. And there, you can't get there by being kicked. You need to be pulled. Someone say, I need to be pulled now. And if you're going to be pulled, that means that that person who's going to pull you is on a higher level than you. You are going up. Are you following what I'm saying? So there are people who are there to pull you into your next dimension. For Esther, it was this guy whose name is uh, Haggai. Amen. He was already okay. He was established. He was working for the king. He was an, an official and all of that. He had nothing to prove. And, but now he sees potential in this young woman. And God puts it upon his heart to give her favor. Someone say favor. And as he, and as he does so, he gives her special treatment. He gives her special place. He gives her special help. 
special maidens, special sisters, special preparations. Because God is using him to pull Esther up. To say, Esther, I know where you belong. I see your potential. I see more than what other people see. I see more than your features. I see more than your figure. I see more than the length of your hair and the color of your eyes. I see a queen on the inside of you. And I'm going to be there by by God's grace to pull you up so that you can have a chance uh, to reach your destiny and your potential. Thank God for people like that. Amen. Hallelujah. There are those who are called by God to pull you into your next dimension. They're there to stretch you. They're there to challenge you. They're not there to hurt you, but they're there to encourage you to say you have more than you think you are. You are bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. There's more to you than you've ever seen. Praise God. There's more potential inside of you than you even have recognized so far. I'm so glad about men and women that God brings into our life that are there to give us a hand up. Praise God. Because you cannot climb the ladder all by yourself. You need somebody to help you pull you up. Because when you're moving from one dimension to another, it's such a major shift. It's such a major transition that you cannot do it all by yourself. Hallelujah. And I declare that God gives you and me people that will help pull you into the next dimension. Praise the Lord. That you not stay on the same level for the rest of your life. Because there is a somebody, there are people that God will use For Paul the Apostle, it was Barnabas. Paul was called to be an Apostle, but he was somewhere in the backwoods of a desert somewhere, talking to himself and to God, prophesying to the dust and the stones and the dirt. He was not reaching his potential until a man named Barnabas, who was the head of the church in Antioch, thought and heard from God to say, I want you to go and look for this guy whose name is Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Everybody had ostracized Saul because Saul had persecuted the church. Saul was bad news. Saul meant trouble. Saul meant prison. Saul meant persecution. Even among the saints, they wanted to get rid of this guy because they were like, "Uh uh-uh, we don't trust this guy. But Barnabas said, there's something in this man that the body of Christ needs. This man is an apostle. Right now, he may be just a teacher, or he may be prophesying to a small congregation, or to a community somewhere in Tarsus. But God has sent me to you, Saul, to come and join me, because of something in you God wants to use. And because of Barnabas, Saul became an apostle. Without Barnabas, you'd have never read the epistles of Paul. You'd have never heard about the churches he had started in Europe and so forth in the Gentile world. But God will bring somebody to pull you into your next dimension. Someone is about to be pulled on. Hallelujah. Someone's about to have somebody to reach out to you and say, Look, I see you. I know where you are. But I think there's more to you. Can I help you go to the next level? Hallelujah. Glory to God. When God gives you a pastor, He's giving you a person like this, who's there to pull you into your next dimension. I don't think there's any people that have more misconstrued, misunderstood, misrepresented than pastors in the world today. 
pastors are portrayed as all kinds of things. But I'll tell you, a true pastor is not about just growing a church. It's not just about, you know, doing, being successful as a pastor. He's about you. He's about recognizing that there's something in you. If Jesus lives in you, if, if Christ is in you, then there's a potential on the inside of you. And my assignment is to bring you out. Amen. To bring that thing out of you. Praise the Lord. That you don't end up the way you started in this church. I declare that wherever you are and however you've come in, you are going to the next dimension in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And I'm talking about prophets. I'm talking about apostles. They are not just there to, to just do stuff that you don't understand. But they see things about us that we don't see about ourselves. Praise the Lord. And you're going to have a prophet come to you and say to, to you like Gideon, Thou mighty man of valor. And you don't understand that God does not speak to where you are. God speaks to where you are going. Hallelujah. God speaks to your potential. God God pulls out what he put in, praise the Lord. That's why some people think that, oh, if there were real prophets, well, they'll be prophesying about our sins and all the ugly things we're doing. No, that's not the function of a prophet. The Bible says the word of God is profitable for rebuke. It is the word of God that rebukes us, praise the Lord. The ministry of the prophet is not a ministry of rebuking. It's a ministry of edification and to bring out what God has put in. To unfold and reveal what God wants to do. Haven't you noticed that God never speaks to your situation? When he talks to you, he speaks to your destiny. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He says, thou art Peter. You are not just Simon. You are Peter. Upon this rock, he's saying there's potential in you and I'm pulling it out now. I'm pulling out the Peter, the rock on the inside of you. Not the wishy-washy Simon, unstable in all his ways. I'm speaking to what I put into you. A prophet will speak into what God has put into you, not just what Satan is doing. I don't follow prophets who are always talking about what Satan is doing. Because that is reactive prophecy. That is not what God is doing. That's what Satan is doing. You cannot live your life reacting to Satan. You have to live your life reacting to what God is doing. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Begin. Be careful about these prophets who are always talking about the devil, the devil, the devil is doing this. The devil wants to kill you. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. The devil, the devil. That is not a true prophetic manifestation because God will never glorify the devil. God will always glorify himself. He will speak to what he wants to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying it won't happen sometimes that God will warn you about something. But that's not the primary ministry of a prophet. The primary ministry of a prophet is to speak to what God is doing and has put on side of you and to draw it out of you. Hallelujah. To say, you are Moses. And you've been drawn out of many waters. Now go to my people and tell my people that I'm letting them go. Can someone say, Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. Hallelujah. So mentors are there to pull you to your next dimension. Hallelujah. Someone say, I need a mentor. It is so sad that we live in a day that so much information, people think that you can get to the next dimension just by information. You can Google just about everything. You can find out how to do anything. You can get a recipe about everything. You can learn how to play a sport. You can learn software online. But I'll tell you something. 
that no matter how much information you have access to, you need somebody to take you by the hand and to pull you up. Hallelujah. Because many times on that ladder, there are missing rungs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are things that you don't understand what you need to do next. Amen. And so God will send people into your life. That somebody, those people into your life to pull you up. Praise the Lord. Even to their level. Praise the Lord. And they will help you make a major life-altering change that will release your potential more fully. I thank God for such people. I thank God for people that God brought into my life like Bishop Granham who saw us, amen, my wife and I, when we went there to help him, as it were, in the work of the Lord, even though not knowing what that meant when the Lord sent us there. But he saw something in us that we didn't see about ourselves. And just when I was beginning to recognize, for example, when the Lord was beginning to use my wife prophetically, it wasn't me that called her prophet. It was Bishop Granham as God was using her in the congregation, in the prophetic, and he publicly said, this is a prophet. I only echoed what God was saying, and other people began to recognize it. But as he began to, to recognize it, it was also the beginning of beginning to bring it out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And God used him to give me an opportunity there to use my gifting and my calling. Amen. Ministerially. And I got, God gave me a lot of work there. And I was serving in the house of God to such a point that when the Lord brought us to the end of our assignment, serving under him and being released by him to come to Africa, God is my witness. They had to hire to take my place eight full-time staff. Eight full-time staff members to take my place. Because that's how much work we were doing. But you'll be here last week, you'll understand why that was the case. Because work is designed to bring out your potential. And in that environment, instead of complaining, I've got too much work. This is not my job description. I'm not paid for this. I just serve. We just serve faithfully. Whatever he said, man of God, bishop, we're going to do it. And we dug deep into the grace of God. And the Lord blessed us, praise the Lord. But there was a person who recognized that out of all the people in his church, he had PhDs, philosophers, and, and theologians galore, thousands of members, the biggest campus, the biggest property in the Philadelphia, city by a full gospel church bought a campus a college for the blind and built a beautiful facility there and God out of all those people in his church he would only allow me to preach when he was away there was no one else he allowed to preach in his pulpit except for me and he began by that trust he was telling me that I see something in you Beggy that you may not see about yourself. Hallelujah. And God was using him to pull me up to the next dimension. Hallelujah. Someone say, pull me up, Lord. Pull me up. Some of us have been on the same level for too long. And if you're bored in your life, that means you've been on the same level too long. And more than likely, you're supposed to go to the next dimension. Not just the next level, but the next dimension. I prophesy to you today that God is pulling you to the next dimension. Hallelujah. You're going to find out what you are more than you have ever seen before. You're going to be able to do what you've never been able to do before. You're going to go, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Some of us don't even have passports. I want you this year to make sure you have a passport because you're going to travel, praise the Lord. 
You're going to travel to places you never traveled to before. You're going to be sitting in the boardroom with people of a status you never thought you would rub shoulders with. You're going to be presenting to people that of such a caliber that will blow your mind. And you'll have to pinch yourself and say, is this me right here? Is this me right here? Hallelujah. And you'll know that God has pulled you up to the next dimension. Someone shout hallelujah. Someone give your neighbor a high five. Tell them, I'm going up, I'm going up, I'm going up. Come on, give somebody a high five. Three, four people. Go ahead, I'll give you time to do that. Tell them, I'm going up higher. I'm going up higher. I'm talking to somebody right now who is tired about being in the same level, getting the same paycheck, driving the same old car, living the same old house, sitting on the same old couch, using the same old teaspoons. Am I talking to somebody right now? But God has a level for you. God has a dimension for you. But you're going to need somebody to take you by the hand and pull you up. Hallelujah. I say, come up, come up, come up. In the name of Jesus, give God some praise right there. Oh, I feel it pushing. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Hallelujah. So the, be seated. Then there's some are not just called to pull you into your next dimension. There are some who are gifts for your life, purpose, and destiny. Mm -hmm. Some people are gifts for your life, purpose, and destiny. They're there for the long haul. For Esther, it was Mordecai. Mordecai was not just there to walk her through a challenging season. He was not just there to provoke and kick her into the next level. He was not just there to pull her into her next dimension, because there are many dimensions. He was there as a gift for life. A gift for life. For her purpose and destiny. He keeps on, he never leaves the scene. He's always there. He's always in the picture. All the way to the end. For Ruth, for, for Ruth, it, 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 it was, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, Naomi, praise the Lord. Naomi was just not there for a season. She was there for life. For, Je for David, it was Samuel. Samuel was not there for a season. He was there for life. Amen. For Moses, it was Jethro. The father-in-law of Moses. Hallelujah. So there are people who are there as gifts. Someone say gifts. They're given to us for life. And I'm talking here about spouses, for example. When God gives you a wife, gives you a husband, He's giving you a gift for life. Hallelujah. They're a gift. They're not a tool. They're a gift for life. Hallelujah. They're there for the whole journey. Praise the Lord. Oh, I could spend time on that one. Praise God. Because, you know, when it comes to marriages today, sometimes you begin to see that people don't understand that. That this person has been brought into your life as a gift. My wife is a gift to me. Irreplaceable gift. Hallelujah. Glory to God, I cannot reach my potential without her. I remember with the time when I thought I could. And I won't forget it because it was in the late 90s. And I've been brought up in church and I started preaching 
1978 full-time. I was ministering before that, but full-time 1978. And I, we got married in 1989. And she didn't come from that background. She didn't come from a preacher's background. Didn't come from, you know, the, the, all that stuff that I was exposed to. And we loved each other. We got married, but I began to see very early in our marriage that we were not on the same level. And so, uh, after a while, it became to be like a frustration to me. And I was like, okay, maybe then I'm called and she's not called. So I'll just go on with my calling. And the Holy Ghost says, you got that wrong, brother. Hold it right there. He said, as a matter of fact, you will never go to your next dimension until you help her go to her next dimension. He said to me, stop everything. Stop trying to grow your ministry. Stop trying to expand it. Stop it because you cannot go to your next dimension without her. She is your key to the next dimension. He said, turn around and start helping her, grooming her, encouraging her. Bring out of her what I put in her. That was my number one ministry. And God is my witness. You see it for yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When God gives you a husband, gives you a wife, He's giving you a gift for life. Somebody's going to not just be there when things are tough, not just be there to help you go to the next level, not just be there to help you go to the next dimension, but that person's going to be there to help you fulfill your full potential. Hallelujah. And sometimes people end up complaining in their marriages, not recognizing that you will go nowhere without your spouse. Wherever you're going, you're going together. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can't have one going up and one standing still. Amen. You can't have one going up and one going down because you'll get stuck because the two are one. And if you're not moving in the same direction, there's going to be problems around the road. So that's where God blesses you with people for life. Hallelujah. Not only spouse, because some people are not married, but also children, praise God. Children are part of your life purpose and destiny. These are gifts from God. God brought them into your life for permanence. Can you say permanence? Your child will always be your child and there's a destiny involved in it. There's a potential inside of that and God has put you together for destiny and purpose. Parents are there for purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for my parents. Oh, I could go on for a long time. It wasn't for my parents. Praise God. I thank God for my mom. I thank God for my dad. Of course, he's with the Lord now 10 years ago. But I thank God for my mom because I remember when we were struggling, you know, somewhere else, doing ministry and all that. And she'd be constantly that person who'd say, but there's so much in you, Beggy. There's so much in you. And I remember God bringing people along to stir it up that there's a place that God wants you to serve. And there, God's going to use you very powerfully. And she would fan that into flame and pray for us. She would, she would always be encouraging us and never being like on our case and, you know, kind of like thing. But she'd always be that person, amen, mom, that would see what we couldn't see about ourselves. See, parents have that gift. You've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. Parents have that gift to see some things about you that you don't see as their child. And a good parent is going to be there to fan it into flame. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To say, honey, I know that's a nice job, but you know what? 
I know that there's more for you. You need to go back to school. You need to study. Stuff like that. Because you're going to be ending up running something big. Praise the Lord. You're going to end up handling millions. You're going to end up in charge of major organizations and industries. You're going to see parents need to have that eye. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then no agendas. Praise God. And every good parent wants their child to be greater than themselves. Hallelujah. Every good parent wants their child to be greater than themselves, to achieve more. I remember my father would tell us this particular poem by Homer, which is a Greek philosopher, and we, he'd recite it all the time as we were growing up, and he would say, My son, my own Telemachus, to whom I give the scepter and the isle, though much is taken, much abides. My son, my own Telemachus. And at five and six, I'm like, what? Greek is my dad speaking now but as I grew up I began to understand it and he was saying son I've done a lot I've achieved a lot but to you I give the scepter that is the scepter of rulership and the isle and the domain though much is taken even though I've achieved much so much abides my son my own Telemachus Somehow that went down into my spirit. And, 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 and I began to see that he was seeing something about me and about his children that we couldn't see about ourselves. That there's greatness in us. That we can do some great things that even he was not able to achieve. So thank God for your parents, praise God. Never lose contact with your parents. Because you need them in those not just critical times, but they're there for the journey, praise the Lord. They're there for life. Come on, put your hands together for your parents, praise the Lord. Now someone will say, but my parents are not saved. It's got nothing to do with it. If God chose those parents for you, they have something to do with your potential. They can still see things about you that you can't see about yourself. You say, but they worship ancestors and they're doing this and fine, put that aside, but listen to them. Listen to them in terms of what God uses them to do and activate and stir up on the inside of you. Hallelujah. We're talking here about spiritual parents also. Spiritual parents are there for your life purpose. This is not a mentor. This is not uh, some guy to help you, to pull you to the next dimension. This is a spiritual parent now who's playing that role of recognizing what God has put inside of you and recognizing their role to help you rise up to that. How you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. God places spiritual parents in our lives for such a thing. It's not for a season. It's not just for a time. It is for life. Hallelujah. You'll never outgrow your parents. You'll never become bigger than your parents. Nobody can become, no branch is higher. No, 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 no branch is greater than the roots it stands in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Try and cut off those roots and the branch dies. Hallelujah. Parents are like that. You have to stay connected. Spiritual parents are like that. Cut off that spiritual root and you are dead. Your destiny is dead. God brings such people into our lives that are there for the long haul. Can I hear you loud? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Very special friends also are there for your life purpose. I'm talking about the friend that somehow still sticks around through all your seasons in life. Hallelujah. Some of us are blessed with such friends. Not everybody is blessed with such friends. God brings different types of people into our lives. But God does bring very special friends into our lives. Amen. So that we can reach our potential in the name of Jesus. These are non-disposable parts of our life journey to our full potential. Someone say non-disposable. They keep us grounded and they keep us whole. They keep us grounded and they keep us whole. Hallelujah. It is these relationships that not are just there for you to achieve something. They're not just there for you to be successful in one thing. They're not there to coach you in a skill. They're there for you. Period. They're concerned about every area of your life. How does your job affect your marriage? How does your marriage affect your, fa- your fa- family, your extended family? How does your, your job affect your finances? How does your career affect your spiritual life? Are you hearing what I'm saying? How does your job affect your health? They are there to see the big picture about you as a whole because you can succeed in one area and fail in five. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can succeed in your career and fail in your marriage, fail in your family, fail in your finances, fail in your spiritual life, fail in your ministry calling. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so a coach is not concerned about the other areas. They're just concerned about you in that particular area of your skill. But a person that's there for the life journey is concerned that, okay, you could go through that door, but what about your marriage? You could relocate and go to, to, to Cape Town. What about your children? Those are people who are there to see you as a whole person. Who are concerned about you as a whole. May God bless you and bless me with people like that. Hallelujah. Who are there objectively with no agenda. Hallelujah. Except for what they see and what God wants in store for us. Can I hear you loud? Amen. They keep you grounded. They keep you whole. Now, mentors, my time is running. Mentors must be gifted. I'll give you a number of things about a mentor. They must be gifted in an area similar or identical to your own. Get the tape, I have to run. They must be skilled and competent. What I'm saying about that, they need to have your, their own trophies of achievement. A mentor must have their own trophies. Why is that important? Because if they don't have their own trophies, then they could be conflicted. And they may be thinking about using you to get a trophy. Or they may be thinking about vicariously living through you. Because they didn't make it, they're going to try and make it through you. The problem about that is that there's going to be strings on you because now they have a vision for you that may not be necessarily the vision of God for you. Because they couldn't get to do ABC, they want to do it through you. Okay? So they must have their own trophies. That doesn't mean they have arrived in everything, but they've passed the stage where they have something to prove. 
That's why you need some seniority here because there comes a point where you no longer have something to prove. You've got something to do. But you've got nothing to prove anymore. If a person is still in that space where there's something to prove, they're not ready to be a mentor. Okay? They must be a mentor, move on, must be experienced. Which means they must have gone through the good and the bad. Experience means that you've gone through the pretty much the whole spectrum of things. Okay? So in the ministry, for example, a person who's experienced, I'm not talking about gifted now, I'm talking about experience, is a person that knows the good side and the bad side of ministry. Knows the triumphs and the temptations of ministry. Knows the traps and pitfalls as well as the high points of ministry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That person has experience now. Because when they're guiding you, they can see the pitfalls before you see them. Alright? You go on. They must be accessible to you. You can't say you have a mentor, you've got no access to them. That is self-deception. I'm not saying that you have unlimited access. There's good, you know, good sense here we have to use. They have their own lives, they have things to do. But they need to give you access. A mentor must be a good role model. It means there must be a good example. A mentor must be unselfish and honest in their advice. They should not hold back what will help you. Even if you don't like it. But they're not going to hold back. A real mentor is going to tell you what you don't want to hear. But you need to hear it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A mentor must be committed to you, to you and your success. To the point of being willing to make sacrifices for you. A mentor must want what is best for you as a whole person. Say so they want what is best for you. And they're not trying to make you themselves. They want you to reach your potential. They want you to reach your highest point. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Even if that highest point is higher than theirs, it is their joy to help you get there. And say, I have a dream. I may not get there with you, but I want to tell you that that day is going to come, and you're going to be doing this, and you're going to be able to do that, and you're going to accomplish this. You're going to accomplish that. My job is to help you get there. And I want you to be greater than me. One of the things I admire about Oral Roberts is that his vision was, God told him, he said, build a university, build upon the word of God. And he said to him that, um, raise them up to hear God's voice, so they can go when my voice is dim and my voice, and my, when the light is dim and my voice is heard small. And then he says, um, even to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth. But this is the part that blessed me. He says, and their work will exceed yours. And in this I'm well pleased. That's always been a challenge to me. That every true mentor wants you to be better. They want you to be greater. They don't want to be like themselves. They want you to be more than themselves. Amen. May God bless you and me with mentors like that. In the name of Jesus. 
who have no other agenda but to say, I am there to bring out your potential. Hallelujah. And if you don't have such a person on those people, look around again. Maybe they're there and you haven't recognized them. Because God will bring them to you. But sometimes we have a certain criteria we're looking for, for a mentor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are certain things that we are looking for. We're looking for a flashy car. We're looking for glamour. We're looking for a big house. And we're looking for money in the bank and whatever you. And the mentor God may have for you may not have all that. That person, just like your parent, may not be able to dress the way you dress. May not be able to go where you're able to go. But they're still your parent and they still have an eye and a heart for you. And the God can raise up that person who will be able to help you to the next level. May God bless you with a people like that in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. But now, i got to try and wrap this up. But now we talk about what mentors need to be. But what about you? So you must be teachable. That simply means ready to receive advice and instruction. You and I must be teachable when there's a mentor. I remember times when um, I, would, I, would, I would be listening to my bishop and uh, I'm trying to compute. It's not processing. And something in me, my flesh is like, this is not for me. This is Saul's armor. And all that stuff we tell ourselves. And the Holy Spirit would check me and say, why do you think I brought you here? Is it so that you will still get there by yourself? No. Take this. Apply it in your life. And I'll help you work this thing out. You've got to be teachable. Sometimes you're not on the same page with your mentor. But you must still be teachable. You must be respectful. That means uh, respect seniority. Can I hear your Amen. Respect experience. Can I hear your amen? Respect wisdom. Can I hear your amen? And respect achievement. Can I hear your amen? Hallelujah. That's respect. Without respect, you can never have a mentor. So, and then we must be grateful. That is, appreciate the help. Can I hear your amen? Because they're not charging you for it. And it's free of charge. You know, I know that some mentors will charge you per hour and all that professional stuff. And all right, okay, enough of that. But I'm talking about somebody without an agenda. Who's going to be helping you, not for money, but because of their love and their, appreci- and their, and their value for you. So we have to be grateful and not be, feel entitled to anything. Tell your neighbor, nobody owes you anything. Tell your other neighbor, nobody owes you anything. Amen. We have to say that today. Because some people go into life thinking somebody owes me something. Even your parents don't owe you anything. In fact, you owe your parents. Okay? So it's very important that we be grateful for every advice and guidance we get. Because... A person can say something in one sentence that they took 20 years to learn.
And if you don't recognize it as a pearl of wisdom and you trample on it, that might be the last thing they tell you. And sometimes the most difficult things are the simplest things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we, we, we cannot feel entitled. Nobody owes you anything. But so be grateful when you get something. You must be, uh, you must give your coaches their credit and honor. Give credit where it is due. Don't steal ideas from people and make it like it's yours. Don't take a quotation and put it on Facebook and act like you quoted it. It's your quotation. There's a whole lot of that happening today. Now you can, you know, share and all that. You know, if it's like that, you can share it. But you can't, you must give credit where credit is due. So I give credit where credit is due. There are so many men of God that have poured into my life. Amen. Into our lives. Praise God. I, I stand on the shoulders of great men. If I seem tall, it's not because I'm tall. I'm very short. I'm tall because I'm standing on the shoulders of great men who have taught me some things. But today, people want to act like they're tall. Whereas, in fact, they're very short. If you remove the shoulders they're standing on, they're that short. Give credit where it's due. Give honor where it's due. Amen. And you'll see the favor that you get when you give it to the right people in the right way. Now the next thing, be diligent and work hard. Be diligent. I mean, keep, keep going. Be consistent and self-disciplined. Be consistent. I've been a coach, as you, as you know, a basketball team and all that. And the ones I like coaching were the ones that were diligent and consistent. The ones that showed up for practice. The ones that did what they were told. Esther was that kind of woman. She did what she was told. She didn't have, you know, a big opinion about herself. She was humble and teachable. And if her guy told her, put this dress on. Peach looks good on you. You're great in pastels. Even if she thought she was great in bold colors up until then, she said, okay, I'll put on pastels. I thought I was great in bold colors. I like bright colors. And hey, guy would say to maybe, look, I've seen you in bright colors, girl. Okay, but they clash with your complexion. You need to put on pastels because your complexion is such, you need something that will allow you to stand out instead of being swallowed up by those bold, bold colors and people see the dress and they don't see you. They see a dress walking and they don't see you walking because you like that dress but you don't know that's not your color. So Hagar was that kind of guy who's like, this is what you look good in. Okay, I know you like them high heels, them spiky heels, but you know, just medium pumps. I'm telling you, your posture just straightens up beautifully and you look elegant. You don't look like an ostrich trying to go to heaven. You, you know. But for somebody else, high heels may be perfect for them because they need the height. And they don't look good in pumps. They look like they're sinking into the ground. And for someone else, the skirt mustn't be too long. 
because then they look like they're growing out of the you know the ground too because they they're already stocky and whatever and and and, and, and Hagar was that kind of person. He said, "This is what's good for you." Okay, no, not that cleavage girl. You look like you're desperate for something. Come on, you're a queen now. You can't look desperate. You have to look beautiful and elegant. Okay? <laughs> and so, they, they, every coach wants somebody that will listen. And then, and obey what they say. <laughs> you must be committed to your own purpose. You can't have a coach more committed to your purpose than you. Okay? And you must be willing to selflessly help others also. You can't just be about yourself. You have to think about others you can lift up. Hallelujah. So, uh, so it, it, this, this is what we need in order for us to realize our potential. Someone say, people, people, people. God alone, okay, put it this way, God will work through people to help you reach your potential. Hallelujah. May God help us recognize those people that He has sent into our lives and respond appropriately to them so we can begin to reach our full potential. Did you get something this morning? Well, stand on your feet and give God some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and give God some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I declare I see greatness in you. I see greatness in you. Every child I see, I see greatness in these wonderful children from Makeba House. I see leaders in them. I see leaders in you. Praise God. I see greatness in every one of you. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless us with people that will help us go into the next level, into your next dimension. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release this blessing now upon this house that you bring the right people into their pathway, into their life that will help them, Lord, realize their full potential. That you open their eyes to those you've already set in their life around them, Father God. And that, Father, we might be able to realize and manifest the potential you've placed in all of us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. I want to give an altar call. Please remain standing. If somebody here does not know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, listen to me carefully. Jesus needs nothing from you. He wants something for you. You have nothing to lose by coming to Jesus. You've got everything to gain. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a destiny. He has potential in you that only He can bring out of you. You can be successful without reaching your potential or fulfilling your purpose or destiny. Only Jesus knows how He made you, what He put in you, and how to take it, take it out of you and draw it out so it becomes realized. He has a plan for your life, my friend. He wants to forgive of your sin. He wants to give you a new beginning. He wants to give you eternal life. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity right now as the prophet comes ready to welcome you and to pray with you. 
If you don't know Jesus, lift up your hand wherever you are. Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Amen. The Bible says, if you're ashamed of me in this day and age, I'll be ashamed of you. Just boldly raise your hand and say, that's me. Or maybe you backslid and you didn't really quite get it. You never really quite got it. Sometimes, you know, the enemy is busy thinking that the church is there to take something from you. They want your money. They want this. They want... And they don't get it. I don't expect the world to understand anything. But sometimes we get twisted up in all kinds of things and miss the boat as to why Jesus came and why the church is there. God has a plan for you. And God puts you in a body, in an environment where what is placed inside of you can come into manifestation. And you can reach your full potential through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And if you're saying, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ, you can raise your hand. Are you there? Are you there? Can I see your hand quickly? Uh, can I see your hand? Keep it up. Keep it up. You say, I'm making that decision. Hallelujah. Help me turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you want to make this decision? Wait for an answer. Wait for an answer. Amen. Maybe they're shy. Okay, and if they're hesitating or they're saying they're shy, yeah, but mm, there's a crowd of people. I'm not used to being in front. Tell them I'll come with you. Amen. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll go with you. Amen. Come with them. Amen. Come with them. Praise God. God has got too much in you for you to go wasted, to be lost somewhere in the backwoods of life, to be a person that never really lived out what God made you for. You don't want to take that risk. Hallelujah. Is anybody coming? I don't see anybody coming. All right. Then we're going to pray for those people who need prayer right now. You're sick in your body. Amen. You just need God to intervene in your life in a very supernatural way. You need a breakthrough. Those who have to be seated, you may be seated. Amen. Others are senior. Others are expecting. And others may not be feeling too well. Others are holding children. All of that. You may be seated if you have to be seated. But we want to pray for those people now that need a breakthrough, an answer from God. Hallelujah. You need something supernatural. You need something supernatural. Come now. And the ministers are here. The prophet is here. Amen. To pray with you. Worship team, uh, please come. And yes. Okay, you can go ahead and start praying for them. Go ahead, sing. Things begin to change. Power in the name. Go ahead. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we stand in agreement with your children, Lord, for divine interventions, for the supernatural, for healings, for breakthroughs, from answers from heaven. Father, we open the gates of heaven now. We declare that we are under an open heaven and in the name of Jesus. That as the prayers go up, the answers come down. That we pray in the name of Jesus. And miracles take place right now in the authority of Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory and the praise. The Lord.